Hi guys and welcome along to another podcast. Sean Cornish, your personal trainer and dietitian here. Today I am super pumped to share this one with you guys. Today we're delving into the world of psychology with a psychologist of 23 years, uh, an absolute gentleman by the name of Cash Thompson. Cash is uh, someone that I've been working with uh, in more recent times and someone I think really, really highly of. He's extremely passionate and excited about helping people and not only helps people in the sort of depths of depression and anxiety, but also goes from good to great. And he shares with us insights into not only individuals at one end of the spectrum, but also how we might be able to chip it away um, at the other end of the scale as well. So I think there's something in this for everyone, guys. And Cash lets us in on a little bit of a, a sort of secret of his, something he's been working on and delivering in a, a bit of a secret squirrel sense. Uh, but I think you'll get something out of it yourselves. And I think it has a lot of application in the eating space, actually, in both the fridge and the pantry setting. But I won't steal his thunder any further, guys. Uh, here's Cash Thompson. Hope you enjoy. Well, thanks for coming along, mate. Really appreciate you coming. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. How's, um, how's the day been? Day's been great. Mm -hmm. um, a mix of catching up with clients and uh, doing some reporting um, and uh, uh, a little bit of my own practice um, in health and um, mindfulness as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, tell me, what is a what is a, someone that's an expert in uh, mindfulness and, and health and well-being, what do they do for their own health and well-being? What's that look like? like a really good question um, for uh, almost every therapist I know, whether from a point of psychology, counselling or social work, it's sort of ingrained in us that we get peer supervision, um, that we, we try to practice what we preach. Human nature is course that doesn't always happen um, but um, yeah we, we sort of um, certainly use use the skills and techniques that we learn and apply them to ourselves and have that calibration from a peer or a supervisor who checks on us how we're going yeah well. yeah, yeah yeah so you've got that check-in that sort of collegial relationship as well as sort of mentorship as well that's right yeah that's great. great I'd imagine hearing and dealing with both the depth and then also in the enhanced and wellness space that you, you deal with but obviously the other end of things, that'd be really important, that peer support and that's, that ability for you to step outside the professional realm and, and just be Cash Thompson, yeah. that would be really important. That's right. I like a lot of my work, um, working with employees and managers um, and then on the personal domain with, with individual clients from their family backgrounds, like look at what's the, who is the person here, not mm. just the role, not mm. just the... Uh, the boss or the employee or the mum or the dad, but the man or the woman who needs that self-care. Yeah. And really talk about that third space of what do you do for you. Yeah. Um, and clarifying the goals, looking at how we can engineer in something or a number of things that really make a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, but quite often we get so caught up in having to play that particular role, mum, dad, as an example, or... CEO or director or HR partner, that suddenly that's that's the only identity we consume, and and yeah. the Cash Thompson and the Sean Cornish get lost in amongst all that, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's about getting it real and going back to basics and, and grounding um, is where you've got your good social support, you've got a mentor, you've got a, a mate or family member that helps calibrate you. You're able to catch things early. Um, get back on track with your goals, but also feel a sense of support. 
especially in the current climate where we know loneliness is an issue and a sense of belonging, connection is a key issue for health and well-being. Yeah. All that put together to answer one of your first questions there was, you keep going because you're not alone. Mm. And you have that backup and you have that support. Yeah. And someone else to go, hey, you know, something, sometimes things are complex. Let's look at it this way and get that extra yeah. level of um, support. Support, interesting. It's, it's funny, mate, because we, we have this obsession now with being our best possible you. You know, you, you read this in every different version of blog and, yeah. and almost I'm just getting a sense of you in your practice and, and helping people really is giving people that understanding of who they are first. And, and I suppose having that as the central key element as opposed to the best possible you having to be the person that's perfect in every single realm when in actual mm. fact that's probably unrealistic as, a, as an expectation. Would that be sort of a fair... Look, that's a really good point. Any, any growth or personal development uh, in a lot of domains of health, start from where you're at. Yeah. We're going to look at what's, what's happening for you right now, what's it like for you right now, something mm. like for each mm. of us. And then reaching out to the, to the first steps you can take towards your goal. But we live in a society that has a lot of pressure and competition. Mm. Uh, expectations, media, mm. uh, messages. Uh, we sometimes call that the comparison group. So who yeah. are you comparing yourself to? Yeah, yeah, Person on the TV, mm. in the magazine? Mm. Um, is it all your peers on Facebook? So that concept of the comparison group drives us to go the next notch and perhaps put some pressure on ourselves to go beyond where, where we're ready. Yeah. So a lot of, I think, helping people or, or getting unstuck ourselves is looking at where we're at right now, becoming fully aware. So a lot of, I suppose, in, in your industry as well, the uh, first step is self-awareness. Mm. What's mm. happening right now? What are the conditions at play? Yeah. And uh, how can we get a really good understanding of that so it feels natural and easy to take the next few steps? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we're... Con- Competing with this image of ourselves, this ideal image that seems unattainable, and we can easily become uh, disgruntled or demotivated, or yeah, it's true. yeah, and it's and it's funny you say that because often one of the first steps in in our practice is reducing your overwhelm. Like I say, overwhelm to orientation. Like where are we actually at? That reality check of while it'd be really nice to be saying we're out there running five k's in twenty minutes. The reality is we haven't ran five k's for three months, so mm. don't don't have that as the expectation. Uh, let's let's look at that first step. It's yeah, no wonder we're maybe we're kindred spirits, mate. We've been speaking to each other across the the neighbourhood, um, operating the same way. We we digress, mate. But you you are a, a psychologist and an extremely accomplished one. I, I know you're quite a humble man, so I won't embarrass you. Uh, but the intro to this, i um, certainly will. <laughs> um, but but mate, tell me what drew you to psychology initially, and 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 then we might maybe chat a bit about your career to date. Yeah. Look, thanks. That's a good question. I get asked that a lot, um, and I always start by saying it's somewhat a calling for me. Um, I went into psychology. Um, straight after high school in, into uni. Yep. And back in, in those high school days, I remember just observing the world around me, and I may not have used these words at the time, but um, seeing people in conflict, seeing negativity, um, and uh, seeing people who are, uh, I suppose, suffering and, and in you know, difficult situations. And on the other side, seeing so many people who were doing things about that, who were bringing themselves through the, the mess and and using habits and good advice. 
Uh, and I've seen this, the world through this lens of there's a lot of good advice out there. Mm -hmm. I, get, I was getting great advice, it sort of made sense to me. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there was a lot of people not taking the good advice and not forming the habits. And that got me really interested in people. I got really interested in actually being more optimistic, trying to make things better. Mm -hmm. And what formed out of that was my first motto in life was make things better. Make things better. Can, now I have an adjustment to that, which is make things better within reason. <laughs> and that's to actually um, pair back from this high expectation and the never-ending or unrelenting standards that we have that drive us past perfectionism into sort of that overwhelm you talked about. Um, and then um, that led to me thinking, well, how can I help the world? How can I do something that I feel I, I might make a difference? I developed my own natural optimism, I, su I suppose. And I thought, how can I give this back in some way? And then the concept of counselling and psychology came up as a career choice and option. And um, I went from there. Mm -hmm. And as I progressed through my, my training um, at uni, I realised this was for me. This was pretty interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I also then started to realise what I was seeing when I was in high school was a very powerful and pervasive nature of, of humans. That negativity was natural mm -hmm. in some way mm -hmm. because we're hardwired to look for problems. Yes. But positivity was programmable. So that's the idea of how do we then get out of our own default mode into being deliberate? How do we change and reprogram through a range of techniques that, that are effective to engineer the life the way we want it to be? Yeah. And when I found the practicality in, in modern psychology and modern therapy was, wow, this is great. There's, there's actually techniques and skills and abilities that you can learn, that you can practice over time to form new habits of thinking, new habits of, of motivation, and to shift from that negativity to that positivity. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of the early um, beginnings of my passion around psychology. Yeah. And then um, for there, branched out into... Um, the world of work and the world of group work as well. Yeah, wonderful. It, I love positivity was programmable and, and how, because it made the world of psychology and, and I digress slightly, I want to come back to where you've taken with your group work, but the world of psychology and even um, as men, you know, we both sit here as, as, as males talking about the world of psychology, but there's such a stigma attached to psychology and psychologists um and even that first reach out for help is almost this self-deprecating moment in a person's life that is actually yeah. so far removed from the truth yeah. it's actually yeah. like it's it's an empowering and and motivating moment that we reflect back on with pride however it takes such a such for, for a male particularly and you see the stats that it takes such an effort to make that first step, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah. Why do you think there is such a stigma attached? And perhaps it is associated with that negativity that you mentioned earlier. But in your career, I mean, you hear the passion in your voice. It's been anything but. Am I right? That's right. I suppose uh, I see myself as being privileged to be able to see lots of great examples. I work in the, in the industry where I see people changing mm. and, and having that conversation. And... Um, in seeing that, I get to see the good, the good news regularly. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people who seek help or go to their GP or their dietitian or their physio or psychologist won't necessarily share all, all of that good news and that story with their, their colleagues, their mates, and family. But the story is changing. 
So um, we would probably use the word broadly uh, stigma yep. in terms of mental health or, or help seeking. Yes. And a lot of programs and help promotion over the last 10 years have been around promoting the benefits of seeking help early. So yep. the Are You OK Day initiatives, yes. the Beyond yes. Blue initiatives, yes. The, yes. Um, footballers, movie stars, um, uh, CEOs coming to the fore and talking about their lived experience story. Mm. Mm. All of these are efforts to help make it okay to say, that mental health issues or mental health concerns are more prevalent than a lot of the physical concerns, mm -hmm. uh, and there's something we can do about it if we catch it early. Yes. So in my career, um, at 23 years, I've seen shift and change in cultures yeah. in the workplace, um, initiatives in the workplace, um, and the community to to raise that awareness. There's a long way to go, but mm -hmm. I've seen some really good stuff as well. Yeah. And ultimately, it's around, um, and I must add in there, the peer support programs that are around as well. These sorts of things help people connect when they need to connect, put their hand up, and then change. And overwhelmingly, what you'll see in a lot of these initiatives is that sense of relief that comes when the individual bloke says, I need help, yep. they then get the help they need, and often have a very fast turnaround in recovery from what they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah. So I get to see that regularly, so yeah, I'm yeah. optimistic, and I go, this can work. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, yeah. it's interesting you say that the... The fast turnaround, because one of the, the things that I often use in in relation to dietary behaviour change is that sort of 1% improvement daily, you know, compounding. Mm. Let's just focus on a small change and, and yeah. sort of build on that. And we've spoken at length, at, you know, in a, a collegial sense around the, the importance of building momentum yeah. and just how much that creates a long-term shift and, and change. We talked a bit about... Ex expectation and letting go of that in this realm of of mental health and seeking help it's not a necessarily a quick fix is it but it it's it's an ability to change for an individual at a at a moment with a, a counselor or a psychologist isn't it that yeah. there's a moment that you create in those that yeah. forum that, that's very special for that person look definitely um i think with with any type of health profession and helping professional we create an environment of safety psychological safety to talk about how things really are. Um, some would say honesty in a safe place begins the process of change. Yes. And from there you, you take the steps. Getting a good understanding or a diagnosis or a formulation of what's going on mm -hmm. and explaining that so well to the individual they go, I get it now. And that yes. might be, here we're going to have to take this bit by bit to build up the stamina or build up um, your skills or recovery. Mm -hmm. Or it might be something that is a is quite a dynamic change very quickly, which creates a, a broad sense of relief. Yeah. So I'd probably use the example here of, um, of mental health, a couple of two different conditions. Let's say that um, we're talking with someone who has, hasn't sought help before and they've yep. got depression, yep. but they're also worried about it, thinking, oh, I might be losing my mind, I'm going crazy, yep. or I lose my job if I start talking about yeah, needing to go to the doctor, that sort of thing. They're very, very normal thought patterns, aren't they? That's yeah. right. So we've got this depressive condition, which is treatable with no treatment, um, and this also sense of fear and, and isolation. Yes. So that that individual, once they get that support, they quickly can reduce that level of tension and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, some focused counselling over a short period of time, perhaps even medication through the support of a GP, yep. can actually make some quick turnaround, and then the process of uh, stabilizing that that growth comes next yes the other situational condition is where people want to build up their everyday performance skills everyday yes. 
going from good to great. Yeah, gotcha. So that's where we're looking at the area of building up those habits over time, yeah. uh, like mindfulness will do for attention control and yeah. and, um, and feeling calm. Uh, some techniques require um, months of practice to change thinking patterns yep. to actually develop um, strength and extra resilience abilities. Yes. So we actually got two conditions. Somewhere there's rapid change yep. and then stabilisation and others when we need to chip away at it as well. Yeah, that, that, that good to great analogy is a really good one, isn't it? And mm -hmm. quite often that, you know, those two individuals that you mentioned there, with some orientation and some help and then that stabilisation, that person who may be feeling... And, and I talk about energy and where you might be wasting it, that yeah. there's a lot of energy bound up in those concerns and tension and worry. Yeah. Once that energy is put in the right direction, sky's the limit. And, and again, you've, you've yeah. said it best, you get to see how that work plays out. Yeah. 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 But it's cool. a really good example. I often use the word energy crisis. Yeah. So people are low on energy um, and their mood might be a bit low. So they say, oh, I couldn't be bothered going out of the house. So they sit home and eat chips. Yep, yep, um, yep. So yep. Uh, the, the, then energy can't be maintained and, and improved through good nutrition, um, like getting out there to exercise, for example, and getting mm -hmm. positive endorphins and positive hormones. So, things, so the cycle of energy um, crisis starts to settle in. And we break that cycle with a number of points. You could change your nutrition, sleep, getting out and exercising to help. Um, reverse that cycle of depression, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I suppose an example of another easy win is someone that, for example, is drinking a lot of alcohol and it's affecting their mood and their sleep and their overall health just by changing the one habit of alcohol consumption. You can have pervasive effect over the whole system. Yeah, that, that, that circuit breaker almost. For exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's really interesting. We see it quite often, mate, where... Uh, where that individual will attempt and they may break the circuit for a, a period of time, whether it be just a day or it might be a short period of time, but then there, there's quite often a relapse, you know, mm. um, yeah. and that, that body of evidence for that individual, while as positive as the change has been and the, 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 the significant shift and changes that has happened from that initial circuit break has been profound, yeah. they then relapse back and almost the story becomes, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just back on the horse again almost, you know, it's just yeah. time and time again. And, and that inertia and the energy it takes to start again almost quadruples the next time we, we, we attempt to break the circuit. Are there any tips that you have or, or tricks when perhaps someone has relapsed or, or they've gone back into an old habit without realising it and then want to break the circuit again is... Is there anything that you've experienced that's been more successful than, than other, other techniques? Yeah, look, it's a good question. When I'm talking with colleagues in the, in the area of workplace well-being and we get, get our heads together, we talk about nutrition and exercise um, and, you know, uh, healthy lifting, um, yep. ergonomics, yep, yep. health and safety, and the good old psychology as well. We all have this, this, common, this common challenge. Yeah. Um, and it is certainly motivating people to make the positive change and then maintain that. Yes. And we can lend off some, some pretty um, handy models out there that talk about stages of change. Yep. Um, from um, re recognising there's a need to change through to planning that change. Yep. Then um, putting into action the steps that are required, monitoring and keeping them going. Mm -hmm. So just after the, the last part of that cycle is relapse. Yes. Uh, it actually is designed the fact that humans will tend to drop off 
when they're feeling okay yeah. or they're feeling that they've made that initial change. So quite normal uh, human behaviour to, to do that. Hear that, guys? We're normal. It's all okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what you'll find then in things like quit smoking um, tips, in, in mental health plans, in, um, in a lot of uh, changing of health habits would be the relapse prevention plan. It may be called a range of things like maintaining momentum, uh, maintaining the fire, yeah. keeping it going. But ultimately, we, we need to plan for the fact that there will be days when people are feeling so good they think they don't need the techniques anymore. Yes, yes. Or life gets busy. Yes. Other priorities come in. Yep. We tend to go, well, family, work, um, other people come first. Yes. So I'll just squeeze out my normal exercise or my mindfulness practice or yeah. um, the technique I've been doing that keeps me healthy and happy for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Could yeah. be the fishing or the golf or the shopping or whatever. Yep, yep. So um, life life comes in and we reprioritize. Yes. And the sense of urgency falls away. Yep. So what we find, um, certainly from a psychological point of view, it's when that sense of urgency comes up again. Yeah, okay. Two ways it does. One is through pain. Yep. So okay. we're feeling, uh, I'm unhealthy, I'm unfit, or I'm unhappy, I've got to do something. Yep. So I'll re-pick up my old tools and strategies, or I'll go and see my, my physio, my dietitian, my counsellor again, yep. Yep. my doctor. The other way is by um, wanting to improve. So usually the, the space looks a bit clearer, yep. and people want to go from good to great. Yes. So I want to feel good again. Yep. I want to actually have more pep so I can um, you know, look after the kids or I can run that Bridge to Brisbane race. Yes, 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 this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or I want more. I want um, to be able to concentrate and um, be present. The conversations I need to have with my workmates, with my family, with my friends. Yes, yes. So chasing a goal, chasing a performance goal. Yeah. And that sense of urgency comes in a positive way. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready to do this, so I can clearly see the return on investment. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. So as a as opposed to being overwhelmed by the priorities that exist and then the pain that comes associated. Yeah. Once those priorities perhaps subside a little, we get a bit of clearer space, recognizing where that individual's at, and then that good to great comes again. Yeah. 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 Right. I think one of the um, challenges a lot of people have is looking for the quick fix. It's also very human nature. Yeah. Um, that we that we do an initial um, boost or sprint in looking after our health. Yep. Uh, and then it's that next phase, which is the maintenance phase, which isn't so shiny and sexy. Not, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. yeah, that external validation quite often drops away in that instance when mm. that individual stops getting the pats on the back and the, you look so great, and then it's just the normal day to day. And that's when we find out whether the per, whether that was the change we wanted or whether it was the external validation perhaps that we were chasing. That's right. Yeah. In, in psychology speak, we talk. Uh, um, and you're, you're very well aware of this as well, the, the mix of external motivation or extrinsic and internal motivation, mm. intrinsic. Yes. Um, intrinsic motivation means like feeling good, um, working according to my, uh, acting according to my values. Yes. The sense of I'm doing this for me um, and for the benefits I feel or I notice in myself. Yeah. And external motivators or ex- extrinsic rewards are things like I'm doing it for the money, I'm doing it to save money, yes. or I'm yep. doing it because um, my spouse tells me I should get fitter or yep. I should eat better food, yep. Yep. Um, yep. or to keep my job, I need to be performing better or um, thinking better. Yeah, right, right, right. So what would tend to happen is external motivators uh, can be effective in the short term, yep. and in the long term, the intrinsic or internal motivators take over. 
Uh -huh. So we end up feeling good about ourselves, having a sense of self-belief, and what we call in the psychology terms self-efficacy, which is the belief of I can. Yes. I can do this now. Yes, yes. Well, I know I can, and if I just keep going, it will keep giving me the rewards I need. Yep. So you'll find a lot of people who have um, been exercising, eating well, changing their habits, um, perhaps um, um, doing self-care and pulling their life together and mm -hmm. changing it, mm -hmm. will go through those periods where they stop or they or relapse or, or perhaps um, uh, let things off to the side. Yes. But they still have that sense of, I know I can do this. Yeah, yeah. There's a self-efficacy and a belief that they've built in yeah, themselves yeah. and a confidence. And that external, that external um, motivator that we talk about is important as a motivator to get started again. Yeah. And so while I, I joke quite often about the vanity-based stuff and the fact that we've, we've only got one mirror in the studio sort of deal <laughs> yes. and it's not really a part of our play, if that's what gets someone started but, but allows them to build that self-efficacy yes. and then in the process feel good about themselves and realise that perhaps it's a bit bigger and better than about just the vanity side, yeah. that's okay. That's all actually a good thing. Yes. Yeah. And that connects well to what we were talking about earlier when you said coming back to where people are at. Yes. Um, so what is it right now? Let's get a good understanding of what's like yeah. for the individual now. Yeah. And when you really delve into that and understand the individual, they'll, um, or we will help discover, explore what is their motivator right now. Yeah, yeah, that's really important, isn't it? And uh, that's the key when we, if we do any group-based work or we're pushing techniques or programs on people, we'll know that only so many or certain percentage will pick up on it because we're tapping into their motivators, but we may miss the, the other Percentage, percentage and yep. the individual one-on-one um, -on -one time or one-on-one -on -one coaching in any format tends to get to that um, extra level of detail. Yeah, which is really important at an individual level to ensure that the drive is coming from the, the, the right place and the advice is given consistent yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, mate. We, we, um, we digress. We started... Mm -hmm. With me asking about your career, because you've um, <laughs> we, we know I could talk to you for three hours, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but you you've done you know you've had this amazing career where you've done a lot of great work in both a group setting and also at an individual level. Yeah. But over the, the sort of 23 years that you mentioned, you've learned a number of things and and still in this sort of positive enhanced realm mm -hmm. in helping both individuals at a at perhaps one end of the continuum right through to the other. Yeah. You've you've recently developed uh, a, a program, uh, yeah. and and that's been rolled out with a number of your corporate clients in a in a leadership and corporate sense. Tell us a bit about it, and and no doubt I'll have plenty of questions for you as we do. Uh, but um, but yeah, give us a bit of a rundown on on, on the whole deal. Thanks, yes, yeah, um, I'll take a step back and just to fill in that twenty three year gap where this all came from. But um, over the years, I've supported a lot of workplaces through a lot of difficult situations. So critical incidents in the workplace, um, mental health issues, hundreds of conversations with leaders about supporting their, their um, people. Um, run uh, resilience boosting programs and stress management programs for public and private sector, um, you know, behavioral safety um, elements, all the way through to our leadership programs where we're helping leaders lead and, and self-care. Mm -hmm. And across all these elements, we, um, we're seeing these these key areas popping up again and again mm -hmm. around the idea of being very deliberate and very planned in facing up to challenging situations and being prepared for them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we call tactical. So if there's something that's going to bother me, it's going to 
be a challenge mm -hmm. at work or at home, it's probably going to happen again. Yes. So if it's going to happen again, let's plan for it. Let's actually put some steps in place. Yeah, 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 yeah. And on the other side of the coin, um, we found that in, in many of our programs, we would sample, give a sample to people on how to relax, um, how to deep breathe, for example, um, how to do a bit of mindfulness. Yes. And it was very popular. Right. The light bulb moments would go on. People's eyes would light up and go, wow, is that what mindfulness is? Is that what it's like to relax? So I just did that in two minutes and I'm already feeling an effect. Yeah, right. So it's kind of sense that um, there are these techniques out there that are available that I haven't really tried before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what evolved from that um, for, for this new program room was a word called tactical composure. So we created a program around tactical composure. Where, um, wow, we, that, I love the name. That's name. cool. It's a popular yeah. name. Yeah, popular yeah, name. yeah. And what we've done is we've combined a group of evidence-based techniques that help people feel calm and composed in life. Yep. That has a flow-on effect to overall well-being, uh, productivity, mm -hmm. the ability to, to be focused and um, stay attuned to what needs to happen mm -hmm. um, at work or at home. Mm -hmm. And um, it has also a flow-on effect to communication skills as well. Yeah. So I'll break that down a little bit for you. The word tactical relates to short-term actions for a larger-term purpose. Yep. So we see tactical as being very mobile and transportable. Yes. So for Cons example, consistent with what we have planned, what we have forecast, where we're headed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if we want to um, deal better with um, difficult situations, we want to be calmer. Then uh, a very specific deep breathing technique, for example, is a tactic. Mm -hmm. It can be practiced in doses of two minutes or five minutes. Yes. You can do deep breathing on the bus, in a meeting, when you're walking down the road, uh, yeah. while you're listening to someone. Yeah. So we see tactical as being discreet and being mobile. You can take it wherever you go. Yeah, life. of course. And you don't yes. need materials as well. Mm. So we found that the workplace was needing, um, and, and people were hungry for these techniques which were bite-sized. Yes. That you could learn and apply in areas of your life without having to um, go out and do a retreat, for example. Yeah, yeah, because that's what, you, like, mindfulness. Pe people go, look, I'm, I'm not going to spend two days meditating in the Byron hinterland. It's just not me. Whereas what you're talking about is a short-term strategy to give the person skills and, and techniques yeah. to access their best, you know, the, the best you in, yeah. that, in that scenario. That's right. Yeah, that's right. wow, cool. So what we did, of course, we lent on all the great modern research around mindfulness, yep. also around what we call cognitive behaviour therapy, yep. so all around changing our life um, and our outcomes by changing how we think and how we behave. Yes, yeah. This is often a, a technique that we, we were taught in our undergrad years too, yeah. where you, you mentioned the situation before and if it comes up, it's quite often going to come up again, so you review the situation and then sort of go on from there. So you're learning from experience, which is one of our greatest teachers. Yeah. And then implementing, I'm loving this. This is sounds right. great. Yeah, yeah, cool. And of course, we use the word tactical to mean deliberate. So it's again saying, instead of just being told, I'll oh, just deep breathe or just deal with it better next time, mm. the, the program teaches the how to do that. Yes. So yeah. how do you pause, really take, take stock and program how you will what you will do or not do, what mm -hmm. you will say, what mm -hmm. you will think next time to be more composed and be more constructive. Yeah, right. So ultimately there, it's taking out that whole reaction mode yes. and getting more responsive. Yes, of course. And this has a parallel process in the brain. So if we use calming, um, composing techniques, the brain becomes calmer over time mm. and the part that tends to trigger off a reaction um, is less reactive. Yes, okay. Our body language follows yeah. and... Uh, our tone of voice, yep. so we can find that that 
that ability to self-compose. Yes. We can then activate the thinking centers of the brain. Yes. We can be more diplomatic. Yeah, of course. We can be more cautious of how we approach something. So the flow-on effect then comes into communication and uh, and sending signals to other people that we're, we're ready, that we're open and we're approachable and yeah. uh, we're, we're going to work through stuff as well. All the things we want to be as leaders, as human be- as you know, as, as parents, as human beings. That's right. And yet in that moment, the emotional reaction often takes over. and Exactly. And then yeah. we're left like a bear with a sore head having to apologise to everyone in the, in, in the wake. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So all the research around the effective techniques, um, we condense down into a set of, Group of tactics, six groups of tactics. Okay. Um, and I'll just list them off very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first yeah, is rec- recognizing tactics, where you recognize what's going on for you and build up self awareness. Okay. Recognize triggers or tension that's arising so you can do something about it. Yep, okay. Second set of skills is regulating tactics, where you regulate your tension levels back down to the green zone. Yep. You're able to um, self calm. Um, we use the word regulation because it's, um, it's a bit like a thermostat. Or reducing the revs. Yeah, you know, gotcha. you I like that. Your own dashboard in your car. Yeah, yeah, totally. As well, too. Third is refocusing tactics. So how do yeah. we focus our attention back to where it needs to be? Yes, yes. Um, and these first three, recognizing, regulating, and refocusing, are key elements of mindfulness practice. Yes. Uh, as well as other um, tactics that we've learned through uh, through cognitive behavior therapy, yep. stress management, and performance psychology as well. Yeah, okay. The, the next set, we've got reframing. So okay. reframing is catching our thinking, checking if it's helpful, and, and reframing to helpful thinking patterns, okay. which have a powerful effect on that, at our, our level of tension and our ability to maintain uh, conscious and deliberate control of what we're doing. Gotcha. And that might be different from... For, for me, you, for example, like a reframe might use a different analogy to, to myself as That's opposed right. to yourself. That's right. We all think differently and reframes have to be very personal. Mm. So I might use words or a way of looking at something that speaks to me, works for me, but not for you. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, some people will go to work and um, one of their reframes is, gee, another day in paradise. And for them, it works because it's a it's a kind of positive self talk to say I'm pretty grateful that I'm here. Yes, and it's I've got to do some things that aren't my favourite, but I've got a job. On the whole, I'm and okay. I've got some nice people I work with. Yeah, yeah. Whereas for other people, that another day in paradise to them sounds like you're trying to make things nice when they're not, or that it just doesn't just doesn't work for them. It yeah, has a different meaning. Like yeah. I'd rather be fishing or I'd rather be on holiday right now. That's the, yeah, yeah, right. I need another version of paradise. Yeah, so the, yeah okay, right. I get it. I get it. So um, in reframing, we actually do need to make that quite yeah, individual to yeah. work out what is the individual circumstance and what reframe thought is going to be effective mm-hmm. to help um, calm the mind yeah. and calm the body down as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's great. For the last two of the six, um, uh, we have rehearsing tactics, so where you deliberately rehearse how you're going to respond next time. Yeah. We use in that what we call a simulation, these okay. self-instructional methods. So you tell yourself what you're going to do next time. Yep, yep. And it activates the frontal parts of the brain to get, your, get yourself aware, um, and it helps to pre-program that next response as well. Yep. Quite a simple but effective um, technique. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine that would be the case. Yeah, remember my lines. <laughs> That's right, yeah, this is what I'm doing right this now. This is the yeah. part where the boss says this and this is where I go, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, right now when I start to get into that argument with this person I love in my life, uh, I, I need to stop and just listen yep. and wait for it. <laughs> or, or right now I've got a customer on the line who 
it's got that voice going and it tends to irritate me, but I'm just going to listen and I'm just going to smile, put a smile on my voice. So we have these ways we can be tactical and deliberate yes. without having to get in the whole, will I win, will I lose, is it the right thing, do I agree, do I not? We simply come up with a tactic that gets us through for now. Yeah, and, and, and aligns to a game that we, we want to play. That's right. The bigger, the bigger higher end goal. That's right. Yeah, that's the higher end goal is I want to be less bothered by these things that bother me mm. or I want to be able to turn up situations that are frustrating or perhaps a bit anxiety provoking. Yes. Stay there, be focused and not react. Yeah, great. And this is the uh, the core of what's happening in the, in the neuroscience of the brain mm. um, is the ability through composure tactics to turn up, stay there, pay attention on purpose and not react. Yeah. Uh, and you can see why this um, this type of composure technique is popular for military, um, for um, the uh, emergency services personnel, yeah, yeah. Uh, athletes. There's, the blogs are from CEOs are about mindful leadership. This is all about being composed and in control of oneself. Yeah, yeah, great. And then the, the final sixth step? Final is really powerful, really important. And I think it's where health professionals um, make a big difference. It's connecting. So for reconnecting people to the good things in life. Um, there's three sources. So there's the things that just make us feel good, and that includes things we're grateful for, mm -hmm. things that make us feel good in life that we can enact regularly. Mm -hmm. Walking on the beach, holding the hand of a loved one, um, spending time with the family, mm -hmm. or it might be going for a run, yes. or eating, not, you know, preparing a nice meal. Yeah, okay. Um, secondly, connecting to sources of strength and ability. So the sense of I can do this, these are my, my skill sets, I've done this before, and we reconnect to how we've resolved issues in the past to, to give us a sense of I can do this now. Mm. And that can include running through all your strengths and mm. um, and really using and flexing the strengths even more. Yeah, okay. And this is also lending on a lot of work by Martin Seligman in positive psychology. Yes. Uh, he, he was the chap who uh, One framed, of my favorites. Yeah. you know, yeah, 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 learned optimism, which yes. is positivity is programmable. Yes, correct. And it was actually Martin Seligman who managed to get mindfulness practice um, in in um, a large-scale uh, program into the U.S. military. Really? As well, too. So we're seeing some really amazing advancements just um, you know, yeah. on that end of things. yeah. And, and lastly, it's connecting to people who are sources of support. So in all of my work, I always ask, who would you turn to for support mm. and advice when you needed it? That lifeboat, yeah, yeah, it's so important, isn't it? Yeah, so. so uh, yeah, so what we've done there is just is created a range of really good evidence-based tactics mm. into a framework we call tactical composure. Mm. And ultimately, people then um, experience the program, learn a range of techniques, and select the ones out that they choose. Yes. Put it into an exercise plan yep. over the course of four to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. At the end, we review that and look at how what effects have been um, realised, mm -hmm. what impacts have been realised mm -hmm. through tactical composure exercise. Yeah. It's like going to the gym, you've got to build up that exercise. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't all happen overnight. That's it, right. It, it's a uh, it's a muscle we've got to use and, and yeah. train. That sounds unbelievable. And I'm just thinking of the amount of people in, in the dietary space, like the dietary behavior change space, that that six-step program would, would significantly help. Like I, as you were talking, I know we're talking about a leadership sense, but I'm, I'm almost thinking of in front of the fridge and the pantry how, how great it would be to reframe, rehearse, and then reconnect, you know, yeah. that, that sort of last three-step process would be very, very important. And almost in a in a very complementary way to the CB, CBT type stuff that we do, 
looking at the thoughts, feeling, behavior triangle, but but so much in a better digestible way. Congratulations, mate. That sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you. The the, yeah. the, the delivery of the programs are, are done at, at the moment in a corporate setting. Am I right? You've delivered? Yeah, corporate and community settings. So okay. um, where um, a host organization would like to perhaps bolster well-being or resilience in their people, um, look at enhancing performance, mm -hmm. or wanting a, re a really easy and ready component for uh, a health and well-being program. So yeah, it okay. sort of slots into that, that area as well too. Yeah. So um, typically uh, we run it as a group-based format yep. for a foundation day where we cover all the tactics yep. and we get people working on our own exercise plan, Yes. have a, have a break and come back for a refresh program. Mm -hmm. We look at how things have gone okay. and we fine tune the program as well too. Yeah, right. Now naturally, and you hit the nail on the head, the program is CBT based yep, um, yep. and it is mindfulness based yes. um, and stress management based. So it's based on really good foundation skills that are already out there. Yes. So I will have to say that what, some of what we're doing is not new. It's, it's been around for a long time and we've packaged it up in a way that's digestible for the, the average person. Yeah, and I suppose given your experience and your own personal take in the psychology space, you've connected dots in the unique way that you can, you know, from your point of view and, and use the best evidence base, which as health professionals, guys, that, that's the dream. You know, once yeah. you've connected something that, that works and actually can be can be digestible by that individual and and create change i mean yeah congratulations mate i'm i'm really excited to to watch and see and learn more as as it sort of um as it all happens the if if for those of the guys that are listening uh, to this wanted to know more where can they find out more maybe get in touch with yourself what, what's sort of the best way yeah yeah so the um Probably a couple of ways, but we have a one three hundred number. One three hundred ask yes. Cool. Uh, and um, my email address, Cash Thompson, which is K A S H T H O M S O N, at yespsychology.com.au. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have a website, um, of course, www.yespsychology.com.au. Wonderful. That will also be in the show notes, guys. So don't feel as though if you're driving now or, or running, listening to this, uh, you need to uh, jot it all down. It'll be in our show notes. But, uh, but Cash, thanks so much. That Not only for the program you've put together, but also just the insights at an individual level. I, I, I think from the ground we've covered in such a short period of time, we might... Um, we might actually need a, a take two at some point, so I look forward to, to catching up again soon. Before we um, before we kick off, though, a couple of quick ones that I normally ask you. These are questions without notice, so we'll see how you go. Um, the best the best one or two sentence piece of advice you've ever been given, the best book you've ever read, and the best holiday you've ever been on. You can answer them in any order. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, so one of the best holidays I've ever been on um, would be a, a, cr a cruise in Alaska. Oh, to, wow. Um, Alaska. To the glaciers yeah. around that. It was um, um, beautiful. Wonderful. Nice. Wonderful. So it's obviously very, cold. Very cold, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, obviously living in sunny Queensland. Yeah, I a chance to, to, to rug up like that mm -hmm. and, and uh, see the whale watching and the ice, um, the ice carving and all of that. So it was kind of remarkable. Yeah. Um, really eye-opening. Yeah, yeah. The the best book you've ever read? I will go out and link here and and flashback to the eighties 
uh, the never-ending story. Oh, I like it. Nice. Um, and that speaks to me, to me. I'm a big daydreamer. It speaks to the concept of hope and always maintaining hope. Mm. And in that mm. book, it had the concept of the nothing, which was when humanity starts to lose its dreams and hopes and goals. The nothing is what is left, the hole that's left. Yes. Um, so I'm quite a passionate person and the never-ending story, uh, yeah, it it, um, it's, it speaks to me. That was, um, <laughs> that was not what I expected at all, but I love it. I love it. Uh, and the best piece of advice you've ever been given? To, and one of the hardest things to enact for me is um, to look after yourself, to look at self-care and then look after others. Mm. Yeah, that there's an element of, of you've got to look after you first and then, yeah. That's right, yeah. It's a yeah. trap, isn't it, because very, yeah, very often. Well, mate, thank you again for your time. That was absolutely wonderful. Uh, guys, if you've got any questions for Cash, uh, obviously you'll have his email address or perhaps some questions that you might like to ask him on round two. But thanks so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.